Okay, I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, I am podcasting with someone who's clearly more intelligent than me, <clears throat> but it's a topic that um, I'm pretty fascinated in and it's really um, taken over the game and I think for the better. Uh, I'm chatting with Jake Stone today, who is the Director uh, of Operations and Player Development with Penn State University Baseball, but also the founder and creator of a cool little website and a YouTube channel called Simple Sabermetrics. Jake, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, um, you're our first foreign podcast guest, so that's, uh, you know, we'll give you a, a badge for that at some stage, but also <laughs> you're uh, helping us put together a pretty cool intro video for our platform, and I had a sneak peek of it uh yesterday so that looks pretty cool but i guess the bit that um and and we'll direct people to your youtube channel because it's pretty cool but the the what we want to talk about today is sabermetrics and i'm the guy who confused the um labrum with a lat when talking to a physiotherapist <laughs> a couple of weeks ago so i'm gonna let you describe sabermetrics and all that sort of stuff but your website and your youtube channel is just a uh, just a fantastic resource for better understanding some of the more complex terminology and uh, analytical tools that are out there and available. And you you know we've talked we've had people on here talking about Edgetronic and Rapsodo, and I'm sure there's people going, "What the hell are you talking about?" So today it'll yeah. be an opportunity for us to kind of dive into some of those things and and let you do what you do best, which is explain in simple terms how coaches and players can understand it. But before we kind of get into all of that um we were chatting offline about your background so i should give you the mic because i'll just ramble on forever and let you talk about <laughs> how the hell you found as a guy who didn't play college baseball or professional baseball how have you found yourself in the middle of all this and kind of doing the things that you do um you know how did you get your start and, and how did it all make sense to you yeah so Give you a little bit about my background. I, uh, I started working in baseball when I was in college as a freshman. So my first year, I got involved with my university. I was at the University of Iowa, got involved with the baseball team there. And it was really back when technology was just starting. All of this crazy technology, TrackMan, Rapsodo, all the stuff you hear about today was just kind of really taking over the college game. And I was really fortunate to be surrounded at that time at a very young age, by some great coaches who understood the value of that technology. Um, and they put a lot of responsibility on me and some of the other people working for the team that uh, we were pretty much in charge of like, hey, you need to learn how to run this information. You need to understand how to organize it, clean it, interpret it, and be able to apply it and give us, give us kind of give us back reports on what this stuff means. Um, so from there, I... I went through my college career and, and spent a lot of time specifically focused on understanding the way this technology worked because it just kind of made sense to me. I've always been someone who is a little more um, objective as compared to subjective, uh, working with these numbers to understand a game that I, I already loved and I played through high school and when I was growing up and going to games, watching games, it was something I already really enjoyed and finding this kind of mix between um, – the way that my brain works and, and my favorite game is, is what happened at Iowa and being able to be surrounded by special people and uh, in a good environment of, of people who wanted to learn and understand this information and find ways to just help our team get better was really all I was focused on. And in my time there, I did a couple of, of internships working for 
minor league teams, some, um, some diff- just a bunch of different things, scouting over a summer. Um, and I went to kind of apply for a job once I was, I was ready to graduate and figure out how am I going to stay in this game. And I really realized at that point that my experience utilizing this technology and having this, this hands-on experience with some of the, um, some of the most important uh, pieces of technology in our game today uh, wasn't, was a very unique thing for especially somebody my age. Um, and I started talking to professional teams and college teams and hearing that what we were doing at, at the University of Iowa as a, as a student was not uh, the way it was done everywhere else. Um, so from there, I, I spent uh, a summer working in professional baseball before I, uh, with the Orioles, before I ended up uh, at Penn State working with uh, a coach that I had met along the way at the University of Iowa. Um, he kind of gave me the tip, hey, I think that this role, the role I'm in now, the director of operations and player development, would, would fit me and my background um, real well. And he's a, he's a hitting coach here. He was uh, a hitting coach when I was in Iowa. And he kind of got, got me into um, hearing more about this role and figuring out that, hey, my background in using technology specifically for player development is exactly what they were, they were looking for here. So my background is, is very data focused. Um, and I don't consider myself kind of an expert in coding or anything else like that. But I think of myself more as kind of an expert translator of understanding the way that this technology works and the important aspects of it. And then the ability to be able to take that and then kind of dumb it down for lack of a better term and, and be able to help explain it and actually apply it in, in real time with our, with our coaches and, and our players here. So that's kind of my background in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. So now I need to, this is bits that you've mentioned that I kind of just have to question. <laughs> yeah. Iowa is it's the Midwest. It's not exactly known as a baseball powerhouse. How, how is yeah. a data analytics you know, how is it, how is that university known now or, or how did it become a kind of a breeding ground for this sort of approach to the game? Why Iowa? Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what I was kind of fortunate of being at the right place at the right time and being surrounded by those good coaches. But um, something you'll find across a lot of collegiate baseball specifically is that uh, a lot of the high end high school recruits are interested in playing baseball year-round outside. And you can't do that in the northern United States. Um, so specifically, like our conference in the Big Ten, a lot of our schools are playing indoors for for three, four months a year, practicing as a team as compared to, oh, you could go down south and play outside year-round and not think about it. So in kind of losing the ability to potentially get some of those high-end recruits, um, we have to figure out a way that we can still continue to be the best teams that we can be. And when I was at Iowa and what I'm doing now at Penn State, um, we realized that technology and player development and the real application of finding every way possible to get our players better is the only way that we can kind of compete with that. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be at Iowa as started to realize that and implement that. Um, and now we're doing the same things at Penn State. So was that at Iowa? Was that just a, a coaching staff head coach who's like, we need to do something different, or is that a top-down approach? Or did you kind of go in and say, hey, coach, let's try this? So how did how did it all come about there? 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely um, kind of a mixture of both. So our coaching staff realized how important all of that, like investing in that technology was. And then me and um, the rest of, of the undergraduate student managers who were working for the team kind of realized that this was our opportunity to, I mean, we were already watching MLB games where they had that cast data telling you like, this is the exit velocity of that home run and, and the spin rates and all the other things that you can see watching an MLB game today. And we had our fingertips, like we were, we were hands on with um, that exact piece of technology. And it's, especially as you're getting started, it can be very intimidating because if you haven't seen a TrackMan like output file, um, now I'd say that they probably have over 100 data points for every single pitch that happens on a collegiate minor league professional field. Um, so, and you have what, 300 pitches a game. So when you first kind of open that thing up and see all the different rows and columns of these, these, uh, data points with tons of decimal places and all that, that you don't really know nothing about. Um, it's, it was a tall task to be able to be like, all right, well, let's figure out what is actually important. And when we got started, it was really about like, let's apply this to one player's single pitch. So let's look at player X's slider and figure out when is it a good slider and when is it a bad slider and figuring out like what, what different variables can we talk about um, proving that to be successful. So swing and misses are good for a slider and getting the ball hit hard is bad and figuring out, okay, now that we have a process in place to understand that one player's piece of understanding his slider, how does it work for the rest of his pitches and the rest of our pitchers pitches and continuously scaling up from there is kind of the way that I built myself up. Um, and that was obviously with, with a lot of direction from our coaching staff, um, specifically the person that kind of influenced me the most was Desi Druschel, who was our director of operations at the time. He later became our pitching coach and now he, uh, works, uh, in the New York Yankees organization. So his influence on me and the rest of the student managers for that team, uh, was huge and kind of empowered us to want to learn that information and then kind of find the real applications of how that could help our team win. And so you just get a blank check and like, Hey boys, go and let's go, <laughs> go out fit us. Or how did, how did this sort of set up and structure? How does that evolve or come into play? Or is it in those days, was it we're we're just nibbling here and if this works, we'll invest in the next piece or was it all in? Yeah. So it was, uh, that was definitely something covered by our coaching staff at the time. They realized that this is investing in the technology was exactly what they needed to uh, try and um, be able to help kind of compete more. And uh, they, in the beginning, it was, it wasn't necessarily like, Hey, here's a blank check. It was this, this piece of technology starting with, we started with a uh, track man. We then had Rapsodo the next year and then, Trackman or uh, Edgertronic the next year, uh, and figuring out how all of that kind of plays into creating a good system of understanding this information and applying it to our players. That was kind of the basis around it was, all right, we have a Trackman, and this is going to give us great information for when we play home games and home scrimmages. But if we throw a bullpen off of our game mound or not on our game mound, then we don't have any of that information. So what can help fill that gap? Well, now we get Rapsodo, and now we're working to figure out, okay, well, uh, here is 
here is a project to try and work and fix this guy's breaking ball. Well, he isn't clicking with the Rapsodo. So how can we take some high-speed video to hopefully try and make that process easier? And we were kind of beneficiaries of, of our team being interested and willing to spend the money on that stuff to try and get the players better because it's not just a good player development tool for players you have there, but being able to actually apply that and show off your systems is also another good recruiting tool. So uh, it was kind of a win-win in, in that regard as, as we get it, as we got started doing all that stuff. And the, well, I suppose like what would be your go-to piece of equipment if you were starting with the blank sheet of paper, what would be the first thing you'd buy? Yeah. Um, Really good question. I feel like that really differs depending on on your situation. For me at, at Penn State, the most beneficial kind of subscription that we have is being able to have a TrackMan because we get that qual- high-quality in-game information. We gain access to um, all collegiate data through their data sharing network, which allows us to kind of create our own projects on whether that's opponent scouting or running um, – any sort of reports that we need on not just our players, but um, players around the country and seeing how our guys rank, that would be my number one at this point in time. But for someone who maybe is working with, with younger athletes, just finding some way to start kind of quantifying what you're doing, whether that's Rapsodo or um, there's, there are a ton of different cheaper options too, like um, pitch logic, is a baseball that'll give you that same information that Repsoto spits out or Diamond Kinetics has a similar baseball where um, it's a lot more affordable in the beginning to purchase just one of these baseballs, but it's going to give you that same high quality information um, to be able to just get started doing something. Okay. I was, I was thinking about doing this, but now I need to do it. We're going to go full nerd alert here because I'm interested. So <laughs> if you get bored by this stuff, just give us 10 minutes and come back. But I just, I'm really fascinated <laughs> to know and just go crazy here. Like you're in a college program, you're, you know, you're collecting data during a season. Like how are you giving it to the coaching staff and players? How are they consuming it? Yeah, what is, what is, what, what does the lead up to a game or a series look like? Uh, really interested to know how you package that information for players. And then, of course, there's some players who just, I don't, you know, I, I don't really want this information, so they might pretend to look at it, but they really don't. But I'm assuming you have to serve mm-hmm. it up in different ways that are consumable for yeah. different players' approaches. I'm just fascinated to know what what that sort of delivery of information looks like to a team and a coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of starting from the beginning of your question there, one of the most important things that I've learned throughout my career of utilizing technology is you may, you may hear the kind of the debate of old school versus new school. And this is the way that it's always been done compared to, oh, well, we have to follow the data to a T. And where I kind of find myself and the way that I kind of explain the use of technology in the most beneficial way possible to everybody is, um, saying that it's supplemental to the things that good coaches are already doing. For example, our, um, say, say your hitting coach really emphasizes and has his entire career and seeing great success swinging at quality pitches. Well, now we have pieces of technology like TrackMan or you can use the hitting Rapsodo or different stuff like that 
that will give you an exact location of where that pitch crossed the plate up to a fraction of an inch. And being able to have that information now, you can quantify what your coach has already been preaching to your players. So if you want to analyze, hey, is player X swinging at good pitches? You now have a direct answer. Maybe he swings at pitches outside of the zone 40% of the time, which is not good. And you can say, okay, well, now we need to implement in our, in our training a way to attempt to correct that issue and kind of bringing that information to them. This is, this is what average may be in terms of swing and misses outside the zone. Here's where you are. And implementing a set of drills, one, hopefully will improve that player's ability. And then when you go to check on that number later in the season or for us perhaps later in kind of our fall period where we're just focused on development, hopefully you've seen improvements based off of the training that you've been doing. As a coach, you're also able to benefit from that because now you know, at least in in this situation, that the drills that you had been doing were actually working and achieving your goal of getting a player better at that specific skill. So it kind of works in twofold that, yes, this technology can be intimidating and some and it may get a bad rep in some some cases but if you think about it in terms of what's been working for a long time in this sport and it's just a um it's just a quicker way and a more objective way to understand this is our goal and this is how we can get there and this is how we can measure it it's helping everybody and not really stepping on anybody's toes um in terms of what that looks like on a big scale as we're preparing for series or um, preparing for series games, whatever it may be. Um, we do a ton of work with it. Um, we have, for example, there's a machine that we've been uh, testing out uh, by Windmill, which has, it's a, just a pitching machine that has uh, realistic flight, like ball flight metrics tied to it, where you have an iPad on the back of the machine, you put in spin rate and spin axis and velocity and, and uh, like the gyro spin on each pitch, the spin efficiency. And uh, it will give you that direct movement profile. Well, pairing that with the TrackMan data we have, we can then use that machine and set it up to basically be shooting the exact pitches that the pitcher will be facing that weekend um, actually throws with, the, with similar movement profiles. Um, so we use it on that sense of trying to get our hitters better prepared. We use it to evaluate maybe this guy swinging outside of the zone as an opponent scouting report more frequently or this guy crushes balls up and into them. So we got to really avoid that. And uh, it's, it can be applied in so many different ways once you really start thinking about it. And I think you asked a really good question too about here is the way, or how can you really get that information across to everybody, even because there are players, especially when I work in professional baseball who may not care or understand what this information means. They got here to this point without using it. Um, and as a coach now, it's, it's my responsibility to dive through that data and understand, hey, this pitcher maybe needs to work on his, on his slider. Well, some guys may want to look at Rapsodo or TrackMan or whatever we may be using and understand their exact movement profile and metrics and how they can be optimizing that. And some guys don't, but it's still my job to understand, hey, this is what will make this player better, and here's how I can get this information to them, whether that's using video or, hey, just try this grip one day. 
and we may be running our rap soda or our track man in the background and kind of seeing like, yes, that's the change that we're looking for. But we aren't shoving the numbers in the space saying, look, look, you're doing a good job. It's, it's about finding the way each player learns. And that's another huge thing in, in today's game is, is individualizing everything that we're trying to do from a player development aspect, from a opponent scouting aspect. I mean, from, from pretty much everything, uh, especially with younger athletes who have grown up with the world and at their fingertips and their phones, they're used to having everything catered to them. So being able to kind of understand that when you're creating your, your player development plans is, uh, is huge. I, I got a series of sub questions and we've still got four minutes of nerd. Yeah. Here. Um, the, the, I'm interested, <laughs> you know, like they talk about particularly in, in a game, um, you know, you, you try and often for a number of reasons, but you, by the third or fourth at bat, the pitcher's success against the hitters tends to decline and it's maybe fatigue, but it's also the, the hitters have now had a couple of looks. I'm interested mm-hmm. to know, like using this windmill approach where you can replicate a pitcher's repertoire, did you see any uptick on early game success against pitchers or is it too soon to have an assessment on that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, in terms of just our players' feedback, um, there's definitely been something to um, understanding like, hey, that like velocity and we try and pair it to where does that pitcher throw most of his pitches? If he throws his fastball up and his curveball down, we try and replicate that. And where is he getting all his swing and misses? Well, if it's just outside the zone, we can set it up to be shooting just right there and, and getting our players to learn to hey, take that pitch. Um, and we've seen some success just kind of observing that um, in terms of the way it's a, it's a good point and a question that I hadn't, I mean, it wasn't a way that I had thought about um, evaluating the success of this uh, machine that we've been using is, hey, is have we seen an uptick in our players' performances that first time through the order as compared to maybe the last time that they saw that player or the way that that pitcher performs against other people the first time through the order? That's something that I'm definitely, once we hop off the call, going to dive straight into and uh, try and figure out and see if that, that was something that um, – that actually happened this last season. Yeah, about once every three months, I have a good idea. So uh, let's just chalk <laughs> let's chalk that one up. So two other yep. two other questions. Um, so are you now doing, you know, scouting report? Sort of scouting opponents used to be a couple of you know a starting pitcher would sit in the stands and maybe an assistant coach or a student manager would go ahead and do some advanced scouting. Are you still doing in person scouting, or are you doing it all off data and? you know, video and, and game highlights. How does the scouting component now work? Yeah, so there are a ton of, we are pretty much completely uh, remote from our, our advanced scouting department, at least in, in college baseball where we're at. Um, there's a number of systems that allow us to, I mentioned uh, TrackMan having their data sharing network where we can see the pitch movement profiles and prepare for the pitchers we're going to see that week with our, with our windmill machine. And uh, there's another video system that has a bunch of kind of tables that you can query anything you can, any situation you can think of that has video tied to it from all of the games that that pitcher has played, not just this year, but maybe his whole college career. And even now having, as, as the uh, program has collected more video, um, some players who may have pitched in high school and had video tied up in there that were able to say, okay, well, what percent of what percent of the time does the starting pitcher for the team we're going to be playing this Friday throw a curveball with 
two runners on base and one out. And we can find that exact information. While that specific scenario isn't necessarily the most applicable um, situation that we may be looking into, it kind of illustrates like we have any possibility to be able to dig into this information and watch the video. There's our process and kind of creating our scouting reports. We have a large team of student managers um, who this year we're up to 24 student managers uh, at, right. at Penn State. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, eight of them are specifically working on uh, just data analytics off the field. We have uh, some of them specifically helping out with scouting, some of them just helping out in the office. And of course, your kind of typical student manager helping out on the field. But um, they really help us go through all of that data and put it into a template that I created uh, over my time working in both college and professional baseball. And then we have all of that information kind of bundled in one place. And then when our coaching staff goes to sit down and dive into watching video on those players, they kind of already have a good idea of like, this player is successful because of this pitch, which is getting hitters out at a crazy rate. And this is where he throws it most often. So in our weekly training, kind of going up to that, we can really emphasize, hey, this guy's going to live up in the zone with his fastball. You got to really emphasize getting on top of it, laying off something that looks like it's going to be right down the middle. You're going to swing right under it. And having that information and the resources to be able to collect that much information with our student manager team um, is a huge advantage for us um, as we uh, kind of start to square up against uh, people in the regular season. And I'm, I'm assuming the same, well, it could be a bad assumption, but from a recruiting perspective, how much is data playing into the attraction of your future players into the program? Yeah. So that's definitely a big aspect in kind of in, in two ways. One, there are more and more training facilities, high schools, whatever it may be that are investing in Rapsodo and, and bat sensors like uh, Blast or Diamond Kinetics have those those bat sensors that measure bat speed and everything else. Um, and the more, and and even some kind of high school events uh, will have TrackMan running and have that information that that you can access that information. So the more that we are able to um, kind of give, uh, kind of get more information on a perspective. Um, athlete who we may be interested in, uh, the better. And that hasn't really been widely available uh, at the high school level specifically until the last couple of years, really. So that's something that's huge in terms of evaluating, hey, when we go and sit down at um, an event, our coaching staff will have, I mean, the, you know, the stalker radar gun that has spin rate on it now. And okay, well, I see four guys who graduate in a couple of years from high school throwing 85, 86 miles per hour. But one of them had a spin rate that was abnormally high. Well, that makes him an outlier and someone we may be more interested in because of the data. And then the other thing, of course, is kind of what I touched on earlier, that data in our systems and our player development and the way that we coach our athletes is a huge, we use that a ton. And I like to think that the way a lot of people can invest in this technology, um, but where the money's made in terms of player development is actually being able to apply it and having good systems in place allow us to, on the recruiting end of making our school more attractive to 
um, those student athletes that we are interested in talking out our systems and the way that, that all of this stuff works and how it can help make them better um, is, is definitely a huge recruiting tool for us too. Mm. The um, we're just about to come out of nerd corner. The, how do you deal with the, <laughs> how do you deal with the, what about intangibles? question that often gets thrown, you know, st- oh, yeah. data car manager, you know, this guy's a clubhouse guy, uh, this guy brings energy, works hard. Like how does that fold in to the whole package as well? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely a huge, huge portion of our, our recruiting process where we may, I mean, the data, obviously, if we're able to get data on a high school athlete, we are obviously going to look at that and the players who are the most talented are the ones that we are going to follow more closely. And as things get down to it, if there is a pitcher with, or a player, whatever position it may be, um, who has really, really good metrics, but has a poor work ethic and doesn't get along with his teammates and anything else, that's something that makes us nervous because we're trying to bring in good individuals who um, I'd place my bet on, on, I mean, you hear, if you read Astro Ball, obviously that came out in there, uh, prior to the whole garbage can tip and pitches thing. But, um, if, if anybody's read that book, it's, it kind of talks about the growth mindset of when they're evaluating players, you can place your bet. If there are two players at the same place who maybe have similar metrics or a similar stature, if, if one has his mindset up to, uh, want to grow and learn and become better in the long run, that player is going to be better than someone who's complacent or a bad teammate. Uh, and filling your team, your clubhouse with those players is equally important in terms of winning games is just finding all the best players with the best metrics. And there's definitely a fine line between relying specifically on, on data and relying specifically on finding good people. Uh, but Obviously, the winning combination is finding the people who have those metrics that match the profile that you're looking for, that are also a good kid who's who's going to help your team and your clubhouse get better. Okay, so that's the most mental stimulation I've had for quite some time. Um, <laughs> and no, no offense to our previous guests, but um, I just need to have a sip of coffee and, and recalibrate. But it kind of segues nicely <laughs> into Simple Save Metrics and – I think what yeah. I've found, and, and you know, there's a YouTube channel, and if you just type in "simple saber metrics," you'll find your content, which is it's super easy to digest, and it just breaks down some of the terminology you've used um, throughout this conversation already. But yeah, like, can you just why did you do it, and who's it supposed to benefit, and I guess what are the applications of it, and particularly in Australia? Like, you know, you've talked about technology that can dial up the cash register into the tens of thousands of dollars. But I'm once you've sort of stepped mm-hmm. us through your website and your YouTube channel, kind of really what it simple things a, a coach of a, you know, a youth ball team under 16 team can do that are aligned to this type of thing on a shoestring budget without the technology you've got. So uh, probably start with the YouTube channel and the website. Like what was the origin of that and, and what are you hoping to achieve from it? Yeah, absolutely. So Simple Saber Metrics really started, kind of I talked about when I started applying for a job to figure out what I was going to do after I graduated from the University of Iowa. I started talking to professional teams and other college programs and learning that my experience at Iowa was very unique. 
And when I first got started and I was asked to say, hey, you're going to run Trackman, you're going to run Rapsodo, um, I, it was, it's intimidating not knowing what all these words mean or how they can be applied. And you may be able to hop on, I mean, you can Google some things and, and Driveline was an excellent resource for me, uh, but it was very high level information. Um, and in terms of kind of beginners, um, when I, when I Googled, you know, just what is spin rate, you may be able to find like a definition on what spin rate is, but it didn't really tell me how that can be applied and, and the way that you should use this and what's important to know about different terms like spin rate. And so I kind of created simple saber metrics, uh, after having all of that ex- hands on experience with that information as a resource for, I mean, People exactly like me, where you got started and you're really excited about, hey, my team just got this Rapsodo, or I just got my hands on some TrackMan data. And then you go to Google to say, all right, well, I need some help. And you find nothing. Uh, so Simple Zero Metrics for me was kind of a way to give back kind of the experience that I had had uh, gotten to just people out there looking to get into baseball or at least understand whether that's a coach or a player, what all of this information means. Um, And the goal of each one of my videos is not just to tell you like, here is what spin rate is or exit velocity is or spin axis or whatever it may be, but here is why it's important. And here's the actual practical application of that and what you can take with you no matter what level you're at, whether that's high school, college, professional. Um, and and I believe that at least kind of the fun whiteboard animations are a good kind of easily to understand, fun, digestible way of kind of giving that information out to people. Um, and that was really the inspiration for it was when I first started to learn all about this stuff, it's exactly what I would have been looking for. And I just dive back into the college piece quickly. Like you're sort of saying, you you kind of blazed the trail, or you were at the leading edge in Iowa. There's hundreds of college programs, but what what percentage in your from what you've seen, what percentage of schools are actually investing in this and and kind of have dived into it? Yeah, I think that especially today. Um, I mean a lot of these things have been around for a long time. So when you're talking about division one kind of top schools, um, a lot of them have invested in this technology at least. And what my experience was at Iowa and what we've kind of created here at Penn state is, is more, is less so about just having the technology and more so about creating a real application of, of what this technology is telling us. Um, and so that is the portion that, is a little bit more rare is you need somebody who has kind of a, a technical background or a technical understanding of what this information means, the time and, and willingness to learn, not just learn about what all that stuff means, but then be able to spend the hours outside of what you're already doing just on the field with your athletes, digging back through that information and figuring out what each guy may need. And then, actually applying it. That's kind of where the separation to me occurs is, is the application of the data. It's different everywhere you go. And what my experience has been is that the places who can create those good systems do understand 
and apply that that stuff for the organizations that are uh, the collegiate teams that are are benefiting the most from it. So, COVID goes away, or we get a handle on it. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if you, you I, unlikely you follow Australian approach, but we pretty much lock the country off from the rest of the world. But say the, the gates are open and we could get you down here and yeah. uh, take you down to. I was telling you off offline, like. I grew up playing on baseball fields, which was just all grass because it wasn't really a baseball field. It was mm-hmm. just a field that got converted to a baseball field for the day. But So we get you down here. We've got a team. We've got a coach, and they have nothing. Maybe we've got some iPhones, um, iPads, and et cetera, et cetera. Look, what is something that a coach or you would work with a coach to implement? Like what sort of data or what kind of video would you be capturing and what are simple things coaches could do on a shoestring budget to really start to benefit um, – their players and I, I think when I reflect back on you know long before cell phones had video cameras that were just kind of better than any other camera that we've ever seen before um you know you used to drive me crazy you'd have a coach down there saying you know stay inside the ball and then you do another swing and like yeah you got mm-hmm. it and it's just you know way the eye <laughs> can pick that up but yeah what, what would be a starting yeah. point for coaches and what sort of advice would you give them what where do they get started yeah absolutely I think that, I mean, I talked a little bit about kind of catering to what coaches are already doing is the most practical application of using this data. So if we go back to kind of my example on, if you want to quantify the way that your your hitters are swinging at pitches inside the zone, this can be at practice, this can be during a game, you can set up your, I mean, your phone, if you have a another sort of camera, you can set that up just out past center field. I've seen um, a high school coach that would basically set up that camera and he'd overlay after the game just a little strike zone, just a little box. And because that camera doesn't move, and then he'd watch through the game and be able to say, okay, well, this is outside of my little box that I've imposed on here. And that means that that gives you a tally. So understanding what's important to each coach and figuring out a way to, to quantify that is a great starting place. And you don't need anything more than a phone and putting a little bit extra time into, uh, I mean, fast forwarding through that game and pausing on all the moments where, where uh, some of those things are happening. Or you can even do that in real time where, where it's, hey, we know that this athlete uh, really has been crushing balls up in the zone. Uh, well, your focus in training is to kind of say, this is your strength, so you should try and do that more. Then when you have somebody just sitting behind the plate during the game, just based off your, your naked eye, creating some sort of system behind the, behind the plate to be able to say, okay, well, this is like this player swung at, I mean, 60% of pitches up in the zone and 40% low in the zone. And when he swung at pitches low in the zone, he grounded out or struck out. And when he, uh, when he, here is the result when he swung at those pitches up in the zone. There are so many different ways that don't require any sort of investment um, and just some more um, kind of kind of effort in terms of the uh, way that you go about your business um, is a great place to start. And then another thing you can do is um, excuse me for, for the lack of knowledge of the conversion between the U.S. and Australian dollar, but um, the Diamond Kinetics Pitch Tracker Ball is something that I've used in the past and it's, it's 100 U.S. dollars. So compared to a $2,500 Rapsodo, you can buy something for, you can buy 25 of these baseballs for the same cost as buying a Rapsodo. 
And just having one of those, you set it up with your phone, it'll give you that same sort of information and give you that immediate feedback to be able to um, start implementing some of the different things that you see all of these top collegiate professional programs doing in terms of pitch design and understanding players' metrics. And and then as you get started using that, that's that's something that I've done a series on on my channel where it's like, here's what that data point means in, in their app and here's how you can apply it. Kind of ruined your credibility there a little bit, Jake, not being able to convert US to Australian dollars on the spot. But anyway, <laughs> we'll let that slide. Um, the other, um, I, I guess the... Um, you know, the technology you have in your phone is so phenomenal in terms of just being able to capture things. Yeah. And and I think that's that's been an interesting piece in talking to coaches, not just down here but around the world, is the ability to give immediate feedback. It used to be back in the day you'd film it and then you'd have to go back into the clubhouse and then, <laughs> hang on, show mm-hmm. my age. Show my age here is probably even before you were born, <laughs> pop in a VHS tape um, and watch oh, it, yeah. you know, like – you know, now they've got big league teams who you finish your at bat and it's everything's chopped up by the time you get back to the dugout and you can watch it. Um, so just the ability yeah. to sort of capture and provide immediate feedback. Now, of course, you don't want to over-engineer it and you're showing a kid a swing every time between a swing, but, you know, that, that immediate feedback is such a powerful tool now so that the, the players can see what they're doing, when they're doing it in real time without a coach barking at them from the back of the cage saying, keep your hands inside the ball and those types of things. I think that's yeah. just such an advancement. Um, I just, I suppose yeah. we should probably try and wrap it up a little bit here, but you know, you, we've, you've mentioned Rapsodo, Edgetronic, some of these other things. It'd be good to just kind of go through and just pick off each of those things and specifically talk about what it is they measure, because I think a lot of people have heard it, but, and yes, they can go to your uh, YouTube channel and kind of watch a, a more detailed breakdown. But can you just kind of give us a bit of a terms of reference on some of these tools so people know what they're looking for and it just even just kind of off the top of your head at an approximate price so they understand this type of machinery um, that's out there and that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's a bunch. There's a bunch today that um, that you can kind of invest in. But I'll just kind of start going off the list of things that I know. Um when we, we talk about TrackMan, obviously that's that's going to be the big ticket item where uh, you're, I mean, you're watching an MLB game and they use Hawkeye now, which is even more expensive. But for since, I think, what, 2015 or so, TrackMan was the leading data collection system for all MLB games. So whenever you saw a, um, a, a stat where it's like, this is this player's velocity, spin rate, the way his pitches are moving in terms of, I mean, like the break figures um, or the way that um, the ball has been hit. So basically TrackMan is a device set up in in your stadiums that collects information on the way the ball is moving. And that's the way the pitcher is manipulating the ball and then the way that the ball has been hit by after it's made contact with the bat. Um, and that's something that – and again, I'll uh, – I'll use the U.S. dollars because of my lack of knowledge of the Australian conversion. We'll get you there, buddy. Uh, but, we'll get you there. <laughs> but uh, but TrackMan is is, I mean, twenty thousand dollars. That's yeah, that's a huge investment, especially for uh, especially for a, a small high school team who's who may not even need that that sort of technology in terms of their their uh, stadium mounted unit. Now they have um, a less expensive unit that does the same thing as 
I've talked about Rapsodo, Diamond Kinetics, PitchLogic. Rapsodo is a, a camera system that you set up on the ground that you can put in your bullpen, you can put on your game field. They have a hitting and a pitching unit, and it's going to collect that same sort of information that TrackMan's giving you in terms of the ball flight, ball flight metrics, uh, pitch speed, velocity, spin axis, and then on the hitting side, you can get a separate Rapsodo unit that does, um, I mean, exit velocity, distance, launch angle, all of those things. And those are going to run you about 2,500 US dollars a piece. So those are uh, a much more affordable option as compared to TrackMan, um, but still obviously a little bit pricey. Um, then, of course, I talked briefly about the two, at least the two that I know of, um, uh, baseballs that collect that same information just inside the ball with a with an app on your smartphone or an iPad. Um, and that's Diamond Kinetics and PitchLogic um, are the two companies that I'm familiar with there. And Diamond Kinetics is about $100 a baseball. Um, and uh, I don't remember off the top of my head what pitch logic is, but I think that it's a little bit more expensive, like maybe $200, $250 a baseball in U.S. dollars. And all of those things are going to give you quality instant feedback. Um, and a lot of them have been tested against each other for validity in terms of, yes, the Diamond Kinetics and Pitch Logic ball are within um, the reasonable difference of velocity and spin rate as compared to TrackMan or Rapsodo. So you're getting similar quality information um, just from uh, a different source. Mm. Uh, but the breakdown really is there's there's that kind of technology that um, you can invest a ton in when you talk about TrackMan. Um, but there's also some much more affordable ways to just get started and have those same exact pieces of information that TrackMan may be spitting out. And uh, one, if you're just getting started a, a more easy to understand way on your smartphone with just six or seven metrics and maybe a couple more compared to TrackMan, that's going to spit out a hundred bullet points for every single pitch that happens on your field. Um, so there's definitely pluses and minuses for each one, but that's kind of um, a lot of those things are, are measuring the same stuff just in different ways. Look, Jake, appreciate your time. I need to run and call my university and see if I can get some recognition for prior learning on this uh, <laughs> podcast and get myself a master's degree in uh, data analytics. But uh, plug your site and uh, plug your YouTube channel. Yeah, so uh, my website, we have uh, we have a blog going with some other people that I've met along the way in the baseball world that uh, is about, I mean, same things that the YouTube channel is about, providing easy to understand beginner level information on a lot of the complex changes that are going on in baseball today. Uh, and the website there is just www.simplesabermetrics.com, the YouTube channel then. And that's been going on for longer than the blog is, uh, is just going to be youtube.com slash simple sabermetrics. And like I said, it's, it's weekly videos on um, all sorts of things. In the beginning, it was really focused on, these different pitch metrics and the different technology that's being used evolved to really break down. I mean, some of the different trends that are happening in, in the MLB to uh, hear different stats that you can use to evaluate your players with the same stat sheet that they're using for um, big league players that you can use for your high school athletes. Um, so there's a ton of good stuff out there and it's intended for beginners to be able to try and grasp and understand what all of this crazy stuff means. 
and how it can be beneficial to you individually. Do you take requests? Do you, do you, do you take people's kind of, hey, can you break this down or this is an idea that I've got, can you give me some insight in that or is that, you know, you're, you're coming up with your own ideas, you don't need any input because, yeah, I think there's plenty of people down there <laughs> going, hey, what does this mean or what, what can you do with that? That's, I think, you know, there's always oh, yeah. a lot of, yeah, cool, okay. Well, um, on your yeah, site, you I, can reach I out read, to you guys. Yeah, exactly. You can reach out on the site. Um, I also read all the comments on my YouTube videos. So that's uh, there are a ton of videos that have been inspired by people saying, hey, this is a cool video, but have you thought of this? And that'll be the next video I make that week because as soon as I see that comment, I'm like, no, I didn't think about that. So let me dive every, like, let me spend this whole week learning about it and then show everybody what I learned. So I think the best way probably is to leave a comment on the YouTube channel. I read all those. Uh, but I mean, my, my, uh, email and even my, uh, you can, my Twitter DMs are open. So at simple saber BSB, like baseball, um, I, I check those too. So. Yeah, definitely open to requests. Good. Well, we appreciate it, Jake, and um, I'm hope we can do this again. Um, it'd be great to do one if you got time during the college season to sort of get an in-depth look on you know what's what's going on in the week leading up to a series. But uh, truly appreciate your time, and uh, I look forward to putting out the video you're making for us because it's pretty cool. So uh, we'll get that out in the next week or so. Thanks very much, Jake. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Had a ton of fun.